Peter. Membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving us a whole year. But it is, Edward. But it is indeed. Obviously, with my last name, that has to be my favorite Christmas movie. I hope that you guys came here today and, and, and you can have whatever mood that you had about Christmas and either being a joyous occasion or a sad occasion or, or a, a hard situation. And whenever you walked in the door, I hope this is what you saw today. I hope you saw love. I hope you felt love. I hope you felt the kindness if somebody offered you a cup of coffee or showed you the directions to the restrooms or where you drop off your kids or where the popcorn was. I hope that you felt the love when somebody came up and said hi to you. I hope that you felt love this season because this season is about love. Last week we talked about God sending the greatest gift, the greatest present you could ever, a, a new Lexus. I said, a new Lexus. And I, have, I don't have anything against Lexuses, okay? But I don't care if somebody in your family got you a brand new 2015 Lexus, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. The greatest gift was given to us when God sent His Son to earth for us. That's it. And there's no mathematical equation that you can use that would ever change my mind. At Connection, we do things a little bit different. This is the fourth Sunday of the, of the month. We do something that a lot of people would think may not be okay here. Because in a world full of get, get, I want, I want, I want, I want, Connection seeks on the fourth week of every month to take some money and then we give it away. Now, I want to back up. This is called Touch Someone's Life Gift. It's a gift that we've received for over two years on the fourth Sunday of every month in the last two years. And we have given away over ten thousand dollars <laughs> we've been collecting that from uh, nickels and dimes and quarters and dollars and sometimes people choose to give larger amounts than that but it, it, this is really this is this is above this is above an offering it's a gift it's above an offering this is, just, this is just some way, if you have a spare dollar or a spare quarter, this is just some way that you say, okay, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to take an offering here in a second, and we're going to pass these popcorn bags. If you are not a regular member of Connection, this is not for you. I want you to watch how this has affected people in Connection. Just sit back and watch. And I'm even going to go a step past, people may think it's crazy, I'm going to go a step past that and say this, Christmas season is hard on some people. It is. Sometimes, I remember in, in, my, in, my, in our, my married life in the last 11 years with my wife, who's in Kids Rock right now, but it, whenever I, there, there have been times where a $5 bill would have been a big deal. Remember, if I told you that, that scenario a couple weeks ago, that if I was at a, a, a machine and I wanted a bottle of water and it was a dollar and a quarter, and all I had was a dollar and you had that quarter, how much more does that quarter worth at that amount of time? Right then. And... Our lead team here at Connection has decided this. If that bag goes by you, and you think, man, I could use $10 to pay the rest of that bill. Connection wants no part to hang on to. We want God to use this money. So when it goes by you, take out what you need. Yeah, I'm being serious. 
Okay, we're concerned too often about, about things. But touch someone's life gift in a second. We're going to take it. Is a gift. Is a gift. We're told, we're told in the Bible in the Old Testament to give, to give 10%. Uh, and Jesus reminds us that in the New Testament, 10% to the church. And this is a gift. A gift is above the tithe. And now, no, I'm not preaching about tithing this morning. No, no, no. I know all you spent all your money on Christmas. This would be the wrong Sunday. I'm just kidding. But it's a gift. Touch someone's life, gift. Touch someone's life, gift. This is, this is, to, become, this is to become a DNA characteristic of this church. Because I know of people because they tell me these, these cool stories about, hey, I was at this restaurant and I was able to buy this other person's meal. Just acts of kindness, just acts of just love to show. We do this at the end of the service, however much money is there, we're going we're gonna to give some bags. I got some slips of paper. I'm going to ask some of you. I don't, I don't know all yet, but some of you to come forward. And if it's one bag or if it's two bags or whatever it is, you're going to go out and represent us. And you're going to give that money away in the community. And you're going to catch some people by surprise. So if those people that were going to take that offering could come forward, uh, begin, should begin taking that. As they take this, as it, as it passes, um, we're looking for nickels, dimes, quarters, whatever. December. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. December at Connection has been this. The December at Connection has been Connection at the Movies. Now there's a lot of people who say, Wow. You're preaching on movies. How on earth can you make that biblically relevant? Listen, I want, to re- I want to go back and review with you guys just a second. On December 7th, we talked about the original Frosty the Snowman. Matt, what on earth is spiritual about a snowman? Okay? We talked about in 1 Peter when, when, God, when Jesus comes into our life and we accept that forgiveness, we become a new creation. Kind of what Frosty looks like when they put the hat on his head and he begins to dance around. The second Sunday, on the 14th, we talked about everybody's favorite villain of the holiday season, the Grinch. Who I'll just remind you, if you've purchased a copy of that movie in the last month, you've added on to this total, but is the highest grossing holiday film of all time, $345 million. On December 21st, last week, we watched one of my favorites, top three Christmas movies of all time with me, Elf. Elf. See, all I have to do is say that word. If I say elf, some of you go, <laughs> and you giggle inside because you know that, that that movie. Can be impactful. I had someone come up to me and they said, we watched one of those movies around the holiday time that we've done here at church. We've watched one of those movies and it wasn't the same movie. We remembered what the Bible had said and what you had said about that movie. See, movies and stories relate before they had pencil and paper to write down things, families would pass down things by telling stories because we remember them. In education, if you can tell a story that incorporates some, a learning aspect with that, the kids are highly, highly, much more likely to grab onto that concept if you tell a story with it. How do we know that's true? Jesus tells stories in the New Testament. Oh. And we learned last week about Elf that when he says... the. We elves like to stick to the four main food groups. It's candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. 
So you all were like going that with me. You, you know that. We talked about the four main ingredients of a follower of Christ last week that Connection seeks to, seeks to get, seeks to use out of our people. It's living, loving, giving, and serving. And we're going to find that put into action and application this week as we give this offering in a little while. But today, probably with my last name, this has to be my favorite Christmas movie. You know what? You know, there's some parts in it that Mary and I fast forward through, but there, this, this movie, if we took a poll of this entire audience, there would be very, very few people that have never seen that movie. And I have it on DVD if you want to borrow it. So, but being content with what we have, did you hear what, what Clark Griswold said? He said this, he said, Jelly of the Month Club. He was expecting a huge bonus of money, wasn't he? Huge money, okay. This is 1989. I have no idea how much it would cost to put in an in-ground pool. Probably not as much today. But back then, it was a big, large amount of money. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be talking about Clark Griswold this morning in church. And we're going to leave him. We're going to go to Hebrews. But if, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. If not, it's going to be on the screen here in a little bit. I want to ask, as, you, as you go, I want to ask you some questions. This is... This is not necessarily for you to answer, but I want you to think about these things. Number one, I wrote down three questions. Number one, have you ever received a gift that you were disappointed in? So we see this a lot with kids, but sometimes it's with adults too. Be, be careful. I remember one of my daughters opening up something, and she, <laughs> you know, this is all fake. She's like, <laughs> thanks. And I said, Emma, you should be thankful that I gave it to you. She goes, I got two of these already from the other Christmas. And I had to have a talk with her about being content with what she has, about being grateful. That person didn't have to get you that gift. It was a teaching time. Number two, have you ever given a gift and the person did not react the way that you wanted them to? You remember that? Like this, you have this huge surprise. You're like, okay, open it, open it, open it. And they open it and they're like, huh. Oh. Oh. And we feel the disappointment and the lack of contentment, the lack of worth. Number three, how did it make you feel? Either one of those situations, how did it make you feel? Not good. Okay? That's the answer. Not good. Sometimes we, we, we struggle with this, man, Christmas time. Man. I just, I, all you got to do if you want perspective, just go through Facebook and just look at all the stuff. See, we think in a world like that, no, there's nothing wrong with stuff. And we'll get to that. But Clark Griswold was upset and he was not content with his Christmas bonus. Now, after this clip, you all know where this goes. If you've seen this movie, you all know where this goes. He starts talking about his boss, Frank Shirley, okay, that lives on Melody Lane, and he's having all this stuff, and he's one of the rich people. Listen, now watch. Watch what this does. Clark Griswold immediately, immediately goes into telling his epic story. He thinks, whoa, I didn't get this, but my boss has all this money. I'm telling you, if you watch this movie, you're going to see this. I watched it the other night with Mary, and it really wasn't as funny as when the first time I saw it. It really wasn't funny. But Clark Griswold takes this, takes this check, and he, what he thinks is a check, and it's the jelly of the month club. He gets a jar of jelly every month. And Cousin Eddie, of course, chimes in with, it's the gift that keeps giving the whole year through, Clark. But Clark begins to tell his epic story to who? Watch. If you watch this movie, to who? To anybody that will listen. In fact, 
he decides that everybody's going to listen because he says it in a level about this loud, as loud as he can. And you know that part of the movie. He complains, he yells, and he throws a pity party for himself. If you go back and watch this clip again, he tells his family that he's put a down payment on the pool. But he put the down payment on the pool that was more than was in his bank account. Do you remember hearing that? And he said, I had to wait on this bonus to cover it. So watch, 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 watch. So if we back up in our life, and we're going to be Clark Griswold, and we want to tell an epic story about our boss making all this money, and all we get is a jar of jelly. And we begin to tell our epic story to anybody that will listen, and we need to look inward because Clark Griswold wrote a check. He wasn't financially responsible. He didn't do biblically with what, his money what he should. See, I don't want to ruin this movie for you because it'll probably always be my favorite movie because I can't get away from my last name. But I watched this movie two nights ago in another realm of thinking. I never thought I could look at that part and not laugh. And when I really studied about what I was, when I went back over the sermon, and I'm like, holy cow. How, now watch, it turned inward to me. How often do I do this? Everybody's always got something better than me. They got this, they got this, they got this. God spoke to me. Clark Griswold is concerned with getting stuff that he wants. And he almost displays, this is a hard word, entitlement. Too often, too often people in this country, in this world, walk around. This was on, this was on uh, WBGL or, uh, or WIBI or 90.9 yesterday. And this lady was doing a devotional, and she talked about people having a sense of entitlement to God. Not that we should serve God, but that God should serve us because of what all we've done. See, we have, we have this backwards. God gave us the best gift, the most unbelievable, perfect present in the history of ever, and now we want to come on this side and play Clark Griswold in, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. God, what are you going to do for me today? See, this is hard. That, that word is tough. Entitlement. Clark Griswold felt that he was entitled. Listen, he had free range to say anything that he wanted because why? He was telling his epic story. He was saying, Look at all the stuff that's wrong with me. Look at all the stuff that's wrong with me. Look, 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 pity on me. When he made a bad financial decision. We're going to talk about stuff today. If you have your worship hand up, that's the, that's the piece of paper, right? Like this, that you got when you came in the door. They're always out there. If you flip it to the inside corner, there's some blanks to fill in. The verses are here that we're going to cover this week. Really, we're getting ready to start a new year. I cannot wait to be with you next week. I cannot wait to be with you next week. I cannot wait for you. If you do not have a church home, please come back. Please come back and see what we're going to get into. But today it's going to be being content with what you have, Hebrews 13, 5 through 9. If you have your worship handout, check out that first blank right there. It says, too often we're concerned with our stuff, aren't we? If we want to be really, really honest, if Mary comes, comes to me and she asks me if I would like a new something that I already have, yes. If I came to ask you, now would you like a bigger diamond ring? I don't know very many people that would say no. Now, would you like more money this year? 
See, we, we're concerned with our stuff. Now, that's when somebody asks us. Now, often it turns internal and we do this. Gosh, I'll come home. Now, listen, if I, if I have a day at work and I come home and my neighbors, which they don't do this, but say my neighbors pull in. Mary? Yeah. You see what they're driving? Watch. You see what they're driving? There's no way they can afford that. We should get, new, we should get something new. We should get something new. Now, we live on a budget. We buy things when we save up enough money, then we, then, then we buy them. But we can get caught up with stuff. Would I like to have a brand new, a brand new I'm not going to tell you the name of the boat because some of you would just be lost. Would I like to have that? Sure. And if I have to watch it though, is, is, is the thing that I have now capable of doing the things that I want it to do? Yeah? Okay. Then let's be content. See, entitlement means God serving us. We want God to serve us. We want people to serve us. We are entitled. Now contentment, Contentment is being okay with what you have. We live in a country that makes it very hard to do that. Very, 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 very hard. We are concerned with what we have or with what we want to have. In this country, people are obsessed with getting everything that they can. Some, not all, some. People are concerned with climbing the corporate ladder at whatever cost it takes. We just celebrated Christmas, so this word, these two words, they sound the same, but they're not the same. This coming New Year, that starts this Thursday, this coming New Year, what are you going to be concerned with? The presents that you get? You know, the bows. Or the presence of God in your life. Spelled the same. No, they're not spelled the same. Gimme, gimme, or God, let me use what I have. Let me use the things that you've given me. As we look into the 13th chapter of Hebrews, the author is reminding these people that God, there was a song not too long ago. It said, all of you is more than enough for all of me. Talking about God being, He's more than enough. And we, we have trouble thinking that God, for some reason, is more than enough for us. And we can't be content with just that. The author is reminding us to be this word. Now, we've, heard, we've used two big words. We've used entitlement, contentment. But to go along with commitment, contentment is this. The author in Hebrews is reminding the people that they should be satisfied. Now, if you're a Southern Gospel liker, I just made up that word. If you like Southern Gospel music, I'm satisfied. Yes? It's a good song. I'm satisfied with Jesus. Look at the the 13th chapter of Hebrews in the verse verse starting with verse 5. The author hits us right in the head. Don't love money. Now, I'm not preaching about tithing. I'm not preaching about money. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say four words. This says don't love money. I'm going to say four words. Money is not bad. It's not. It's not. I'm going to show you at the end of the sermon, at the end of the service, I'm going to show you how money is not bad. Because money can be used to show God's love. Watch. Money is not bad. When we handle our money correctly, a person that's financially 
sound. They're responsible for their money. Can give more. Can show others God's love more. They can help people. So he says, don't love money. He goes on, he says, be satisfied with what you have. Now, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. They're kids. And if you have kids, you see this. Be satisfied. Emma just got a present that probably 90% of her class already has, but she got it this Christmas. And she was satisfied without it, but she's really satisfied with it. Because she likes it. Oh, this is cool. But God's, the author here says, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. Being satisfied with what we have is easy. If it's easy, why don't you go home sometime this week and have your neighbor just pull right in with a brand new vehicle and then test the insides of you. Or maybe, 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 maybe they make this huge addition onto their house. See how you feel. See, don't love money. Be, be satisfied with what you have. Dave Ramsey, a very, 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 very awesome author. Very awesome. And, it, and his, his principles and his concepts are phenomenal. He says this. He says, if you live like nobody else, if you live like no one else, later you can live like nobody else. That's being responsible financially. Live like nobody else, meaning being satisfied with what you have, meaning drive your truck into the ground, as long as it gets you to point A to point B, so that later you can save up and you can just buy, or you can give. He says in his book, he said it's not all about getting rich. Whenever, you get, whenever you're phys- financially responsible, you can give more. See, you can make a difference in people's lives by giving. Clark Griswold was on the other end of the spectrum. He had the entitlement. What is my boss going to do for me? Because if you watch the movie, he creates a non-nutritive cereal varnish. Yes, I know the whole movie. Okay? He creates a, a non-nutritive cereal varnish that milk cannot penetrate. The product of the year. He's the man. Now watch. He's expecting to get paid more for doing the job that he's supposed to do. Do we ever do that? Do we ever do that? I expect more. Do you know how good this idea is? Do you know how awesome this is? Do you know what, what kind of effects this is that I've done? Reminding us to be satisfied. Live like nobody else. So later you can live like no one else. It goes on in the verse. It says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Why don't you look at these words in, in the quotation marks? For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. In yourself right now, I want to ask you one question. What's that mean to you? What's that mean? God says, I will never fail you. At, right, at, right after, he says, be satisfied with what you have. God says, I'll never fail you. I remember whenever I was young, I've shared this story before, when we were younger in, in marriage, but married when I was 23, we had this discussion very shortly after the month of June when we were married. Mary and I got involved with the church. We started going. Mary was not raised to tithe. Now, I'm not preaching about tithing. I just want to tell you this as an example. Mary is financially way, way, way more intelligent than I am. Way smart. 
she chose to take she chose her career to take a back seat to stay home with our kids. At 26 years old, she's the vice president of a bank. Okay, I'm not there. She's a compliance officer. She's a loan officer. She's good at what she does. But she had not been, she had not been brought up in a house where they tithe regularly. And I said, well, I'll never forget this. this you know, this was just crazy. We got together to do the bills. Oh, I'm 23. And I go up to her and say, oh, yeah. And the first check we're going to write is our tithe check. And she said, what? Well, we can give him this much. And I said, no, 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 no. No, babe, that's not, that's, not, that's not what God asked us to do. Now, she was in a spot where she said, you know, I don't mind giving, but this seems like it's sacrificing a little bit too much. We had this discussion. It never turned into an argument. I'm so blessed to be married to the woman that I am. And I told her this. I was reminded of this, that God says, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. And I said this. We're going to take 10% of what we make, and we're, going to, and we're going to write that check first. And then I said one of the boldest things I've ever said to my wife. Because I knew that God would never leave me. Now watch. I said, if we don't ever have enough money for what we need, we'll never write another tithe check again. Ever. That was 11 years ago. God doesn't let us down. See, I'm not, I'm not going to say, well, I'm not going to preach, oh, give me a dollar and God will give you 10,000. That's not how he works. God says, I'll take care of you. You be satisfied with what I give you. Did anybody, does anybody know what the outlook is on Facebook? Little, little thing, it's, it's out of Fairfield. Penny Shreve does it. Anybody know her? You see the basketball game from Fairfield? This, this past week in the holiday tournament or right before that, Fairfield was playing. And the young man that got in the four-wheeler accident and lost from his knee down. And he has a prosthetic leg. Watch. You should see the post on Facebook that this kid makes. He is an unbelievable follower of Christ. He gets, he gets put into the game. Whole crowd goes crazy. And he's, 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 got, he's had a prosthetic leg for two weeks. He's in a basketball uniform on the floor playing. And they leave him open for a wide open three. And he drains it. And it goes crazy. And every single person that I've talked to that's talked to that young man, he says, my God will never let me down. I'm satisfied with this happening. I'm okay. I'm okay with this happening. See, we, we want to say, I'm entitled, I'm entitled, I'm entitled. And then we look at somebody like this. He says, yeah, this really wasn't a good hand to be dealt. But, but, I don't know what God's ways are. I want to live for Him. See, God will never let us down. God has given everything. When we watched the clip, Clark Griswold did not have a concept of the word contentment. If you rewatch this movie, I want you to, and this movie is not a seasonal movie at my house. It's just usually like every once a month or so. Just watch it. And if you rewatch this movie, I want to challenge you. You rewatch this movie, and this is what you're going to see. In that clip, I could reshow that clip, and I could preach another sermon about how Clark Griswold was the richest man on earth. He had every single family member around him for the holidays. Yet, he sought entitlement. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. I need more than this. I deserve more than this. I'm a better employee than this. And you see this this come out of him in that clip. But if you look back, he's one of the richest men. My grandpa. 
did not leave me tens of thousands of dollars when he died. But he would often tell people, he said, I'm the richest man in Fairfield. And they'd look at him, and I could name you some names that are very, very wealthy in Fairfield, and our name is not one of them. <laughs> but he, he would tell people, he said, I'm the richest man in Fairfield. How? They say, you work part-time at the car wash. He goes, how? Have you met my family? I'll never, I'll never forget. Yesterday we were with that side of the family. There were people in what we call our woodshed where we eat. There were people in the woodshed that we were not related to. Because that legacy kept coming on. Come on in. We love you. My grandpa, I'm the richest person in Fairfield. And I'm like, no, you're not. Or if you are, I, this is going to be good. No, uh, there's no way. There's no way. He said, have you seen my family? Clark had it. He had family around him. He had a nice house. Good night. This huge house. 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights. I do have the movie memorized. 25,000 lights. And he had his family, and he has a house, and he has a job. And everybody around him. But he wants entitlement. He cannot feel content. Look at your worship handout on the next, on the next blank. It says, we must look in the correct places to feel content. Oftentimes, it's scary for us to trust in anything other than ourself, ourselves. We have a hard time with this. We must look in the correct places to feel contentment. Clark Griswold, not even close to looking in the same realm direction for contentment. He sought entitlement. If you seek entitlement, it is often very, very difficult to seek contentment, even if it's in the same room with you. Like it was in the clip. He had contentment right there. Listen, they had eggnog. They had family. Everybody was there. They had the second tree up because of, you know, well, the first one was still up. They didn't burn yet. But it was there. Everybody was there. Yeah, it's chaotic when everybody gets together. But he had everybody there. But oftentimes, it's scary for us to trust in anything other than ourselves. We have a hard time with this. Clark Griswold's talking to him in the stuff that he wanted or was financially irresponsible to get. We have to look in the right places. He was not. God offers us contentment in knowing that he is everything that we need. I would challenge you, before you lay your head down this evening or maybe this afternoon when you take a nap, I challenge you to work the equation if God is more than enough in your life, in your head. You're going to lose. (laughs) Because He is. God is more than anything. He's everything. He is more than anything that we could possibly want. He's everything that we need and then some. All of you is more than enough. How about this? A little of you is still way more enough than I need. I have everything that I need in Christ. Contentment is living the life and understanding that God will provide everything that we need. That scares you, and it scares me sometimes. Look, because we have to look in the right places to feel content, but oftentimes it is scary for us to trust in anything other than ourselves. Why? Because we know ourselves, And we know what makes ourselves feel good. Oh yeah, a new four-wheeler would make me feel really good. That's the wrong place. 
That is, the, is there anything wrong with the four-wheeler? No. No, there's nothing. Money is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Look what it goes on to say in verse 6. Hebrews 13, verse 6. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? That's one thing to say in your house. Uh, God's enough for me. God's enough for me. What about at work? When you have the people that talk bad about you behind your back, or maybe to your face, or you come upon a situation in life where you think, God, I really need you to help me here. And then you have to, you have to, do, you have to, you have to lean on your faith in Him. Say, God, the Lord is my helper. So we can say, the author is not alone. This is, this is awesome. Because the author of Hebrew is not alone. He says, hey, this group of people that I'm with, we can tell you, he's reminding these people, we can tell you that when you're here, or when you're here, or when, you, when you're here, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. No fear. Oftentimes, it is very, very easy, even for me, to walk around and like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to. And I'm scared. I'm scared of the outcome. We put a lot of emphasis on what other people think about us, don't we? Don't we? I got a present for Christmas that it's used to do absolutely nothing except to shine things. Do I want people to notice chrome rims on my truck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. We worry about what other people think, not about our truck rims, but about the way that we live our life. Oh, I can't believe she raised her kids that way. If she do this, her kids would act better. What? What? We are so sharp. We put a lot of emphasis on what others think. Sometimes what they say is not healthy. Remember, you have to look in the correct places to feel content. We have to remember that God desires for us to remember what He thinks about you. Have you ever got, asked God that question? It's one of the coolest things you can do. If you're, if you're reading and you're studying somewhere, God, will you show me? Will you show me? I can tell you a place to start. Just go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Not in your Bibles now, but go home. God, what do you think about me? Read John chapter 3. God says, I love you this much. Man, I don't care where you've been. I don't care this. I don't care this. I don't care this. I don't care this. I loved you so much that John chapter 3 verse 16. I sent my son. It wasn't rims on a truck. It wasn't the polishing tool kit for the rims on your truck. It wasn't this. It wasn't this. It wasn't this. It had nothing to do with materialism. I sent you more than anything that you could ever possibly need. So that you can have no fear. Don't worry about what people think about you. Oh, but Matt, when I get around these, these connection people or these church people and I start acting differently, people will call me some type of Jesus freak or Bible beater or whatever. And listen, God says, the Bible says this, what can mere people do to me? This is coming from an age where people could do stuff to you. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 7. How, 
How can we find the contentment right here? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Now, before some of you think, no, I'm not talking about me, okay? I'm talking about, just remember with me right now. You know, this past couple weeks is all about memories, reminiscing, tradition. But your mind has been going overload. Remember this? Remember this? Remember this? I was around a table in three different houses, and I heard stories about past Christmases, about past presents. You remember when we had all this snow? You remember when this? You remember when this person was still alive and they said this? Listen, these things come up. Verse 7 says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Do you remember a person in your life that was a mentor, so to speak, to you? You remember that person? Maybe you're in a bad time in your life, a rough spot in your life, and you had that person. Now, a lot of us just want to say, oh, you know what? That mentor helped me. I got out of my stuff, and now I'm done. God's word never says to do that. Never get out of it. God's word says you should keep passing this stuff on. Because Paul would train a person, and that person would train a person, and that person would train a person, and that person, and then these people would train people. God never says stop. He says, do you remember that person in your life? A person who taught you how much God loved you? Maybe you didn't think very well of yourself. You ever thought about that? You, you, you had a time where you didn't think well about yourself, and this person came and said, you know what, you're valuable. Maybe that's what Clark Griswold needed. Now think about that. If Mr. Shirley would have told Clark that he was valuable, that rant may not even happen. He may not, he may not have saw the, the need for the entitlement pity party. But you remember that person mentoring. If you're a follower of Christ, mentoring should be a purpose in your life. It should be a purpose. It can have great impact on your life. If you're interested with this, we have people in our church that take 45 minutes to an hour and meet with people every week because they have superpowers? No. Because we use the perfect book. We use God's perfect word to make it, we memorize scripture that impacts our life so that it can change our life. But remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. He goes on, think of all the good that has come from your life and follow the example of their faith, of their lives, follow the example of their faith. You know those people? You know who those people are? They're the people that walked in the snow before you did with the great big boots. And they probably learned from somebody and they learned from somebody. If you go far enough back, they probably learned from this guy named Jesus. They learned how to walk through this life because Jesus lived... He loved, he gave, and he served. And he said, this exactly where you should step. Speaking of movies about where we step. If you remember Indiana Jones? When they had to spell out Jehovah to step across in the, in the third one. And they had to step exactly on the right one. If not, if they stepped on the wrong one, it would fall. Listen, there are steps in this life that if you don't get in it, you're going to fall and you know that you fall because you fell, like me. You must follow their example of their faith. 
but our circumstances might as well sometimes be blinders. You might as well paint your face. You put goggles on and just paint them black. Because you say, well, I'm supposed to go this way. But you got black, black goggles on. You can't see because you let your circumstances affect following the example. You do the Clark Griswold. Oh, you, should be, you should be fully content with what you have around you, but it's, uh, I'm entitled. I'm worth more than this. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. And you keep telling, your, you keep telling yourself some, for long enough, you're going to start believing it. Listen, God says you're exceedingly special to him. Be content in what he has given us. Look at your worship handout. It's easier to be content in our circumstances if we surround ourselves with people that understand who Jesus is. Think about it. It goes back to the Grinch here. Would you rather be around someone who is bitter or someone that is better? Think about that. Think about just who you surround yourself with. Are they healthy? Are the majority of your th- things coming out of their mouth healthy? Spiritually? Morally? Are they healthy? Because if you surround your people with, yourself with people who understand who Jesus is, the chances are they're, they're going to be trying to follow footsteps that go towards Jesus. This is kind of a cut and dry question. Would you rather be around somebody that's bitter or better? This is a no-brainer. Better. Why? Because they may laugh at a joke. They may have a sense of humor. They may not be caught up in the circumstances and be able to follow the steps that we should take and help you. Now, the tough question. Are you the bitter or the better? Don't answer out loud. But that's something that we're going to strive to, to address in the coming year. Are we bitter or are we better? Here's to new beginnings. Here's to breaking free. That's a sneak peek of next week's sermon. Here's to new beginnings and here's to breaking free. You want to see what God can do in your life? Listen, you've got to hang around people that know who Jesus is. They have to know. The world is full of bitter. Look at what we're shown in verse eight, verses 8 and 9 on, uh, on the screen or in your, in your Bible. In Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is a promise that we need to recite to ourselves every single day. Every single day. We go through this circumstance and it was pretty easy. Okay. And then tomorrow we go through a circumstance that's really, really hard. What we have to understand is God did not change. God doesn't change. We do. It's like the old man that was driving in the pickup truck and when, it was, when, he was, when they were newly married, his wife used to sit right by him. You know, before seatbelt laws, they'd sit right beside him. And they were married 40, 50 years and all of a sudden she's sitting over by the other window and he goes, he said something to the effect of, why don't you sit by anymore? The steering wheel hasn't moved. We... <sighs> no, the steering wheel didn't change. God doesn't change. He says this, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at verse 9. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Ideas that are unhealthy. People that persuade you to do the things that God does not want you to do. Just unhealthy people. He goes on. He says, your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow Him. 
The rules about food. Here, translation in today. Let's watch. They were, they were concerned about they couldn't eat certain things with certain people. God says this. Your strength comes from God. Never mind the little things. Listen. Never mind. How do we, how do we show that? If you don't think that we show that, check out our website. We have people that smoke. We have people that drink. We have people... Listen. It's there. Ignore the little things because God's grace is more than enough. It's more. It's more. Please, I hope you're hearing this. God's grace is more. He has more to give you. He has more purpose for you. He loves you more than anyone can ever love you. God desires us to trust Him alone. Your contentment and happiness will come from Him, not yourself. Because here's the deal, and here's how I know why. If you could find contentment in yourself, you would have already done it. If you could find contentment in yourself and the stuff, you would have already done it. Look at your worship hand now. This is the key to the whole sermon. Contentment happens when we learn to trust God in all that we say and do. Trust God on some things, easy. Trust God on some some little things, maybe even some big things that we know are only Him. Yeah, that's okay. Everything that we say and do is the hard part. Everything. Can we trust Him in everything, in all we do? We don't need to be concerned with getting more stuff or being satisfied or standing in front of our living room full of house, a full house of our family and saying, this is how much I'm entitled. God, you should serve me. This is a problem. We have lost the concept of priority. God should not serve us, nor should we ever think that. We should live a life of contentment and that we are satisfied to do nothing but serve Him. Nothing but serve Him. It's, it's, it's written in theological documents that the Apostle John, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, had physical features that he couldn't walk, and he was said to have laid outside the church, and the only thing that he would preach is God is love. And he's more than enough. This, that was all he had. That's all he had. We walk through this life with our eyes focused on what God wants us to do. We step in the right footprints. I talked about the footprints of Jesus when we talked about elf. And it was not candy or candy canes or candy corns and syrup. Jesus walked this earth and He said, Hey, all you people that come after me, I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show, I'm going to show you. If you don't think that He had a little bit of conflict, check out some of the things that the disciples said to Him. Jesus goes to talk to the Samaritan woman. Hey, Dude, we don't talk to those people. Like Jesus was like he didn't know. He's like, hey, Jesus, we don't talk to these people. We don't, we don't associate with them. He taught them a whole new realm. He was revolutionary. And in those steps, Jesus said, I want you to live like me. I want you to love like me. All people. I imagine he probably turned around just like we do as parents. Listen, you step right where I step. I want you to live like me. I want you to love like me. I want you to give like me, and I want you to serve like me. 
And he walked around three and a half years with these 12 men. They got to see all four of those steps. And they saw exactly. And you don't think that they were scared. Because all but one lost their life. All but one had their life taken from them. Because they knew that those steps were where contentment lies. And one of those steps is giving. One of those steps is giving. So this morning, we are going to do something. If you've never seen it, it's neat. So if I have uh, the bag or bags from Touch Someone's Life Gift... A lot of pennies, nickels, and dimes. I have seven bags to give away. You'll never know what it feels like. you might, to be involved with a group of people that give like this. $1,087. Let's see. Sarah Hayes. Jack, will you get us to Lynn? Amy Johnson. A lot of people that got pulled away from worship. Zach, will you give one to Nicole? Whitney Schulte. Isaac Hester. Do you give one away? Colleen, have you ever done this? There you go. I try not to repeat people. You've been given a piece of paper. Looks like this. In the very bottom of it, it says that you can email your story. You're going to go away. You're going to go away from this building. You're going to go into a world that's all about take, and all you're going to do is give. Listen, you're going to have a story. Just write a paragraph. Write it down. Email it to to that email address, and we can share it. $155 approximately in all these bags. Isn't that cool? Now listen, we have to remember, Touch Someone Life gift is a gift above our offering. And to serve with people like this is incredible.
I hope that you guys had a Merry Christmas. I look forward to this week, the coming new year. I'm looking forward to seeing what this means, that contentment happens when we learn to trust God in all that we say and do. we got a new year coming up. So here's to new beginnings, and here's to breaking free. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and worship you. God, to hear awesome music. People and listen to people that love to sing. Listening to a crowd of voices that's overwhelming. Singing praises like how He loves us. God, You do love us. God, we thank You for the blessings in this life. We thank You for the ability to meet together, to have the freedom to do that. God, I pray that You be with the people that have been given this gift. God, that we go out. We give, God, but even if we didn't get a bag, realize that a quarter to a person that only has a dollar is a big deal. Five dollars to buy somebody's lunch is a big deal. We thank you, God. We thank you for allowing us to live in love like you. In your name we pray. Amen.